Hey folks, hope your Q3 and Q4 is off to a good start. We just wrapped up Founder 500 in Austin, Texas. Hundreds of bootstrap founders showed up. It was an amazing time. I loved meeting so many of you. This interview today is a recording from that session, which you're going to love because now we have visuals, we have the founder teaching, and I made every single speaker include their revenue graphs and real artifacts in their presentations. Without further ado, let's jump in. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. You were actually a massive inspiration of pushing me to get into Founder Pass. So why don't you start there and I'll do it. I'll go get your slides. Okay, give, right. give him a round of applause. Round of applause. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is uh, exciting stuff. So, um, so yeah, the, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll tell the, the, or the early Founder Pass story from my perspective, which is basically, I, I've been, so I started Badger Maps like, 10 years ago, a little more. And, uh, and I started doing debt deals in like 2015, I think, maybe 16. And, um, and debt back in those days, if, as some of you may recall, was not as good of a deal as it is today, right? Like the lenders have a difficult time wrapping, the, wrapping their arms around the concept of, uh, of uh, a, like ARR and MRR, they're like that's not an asset, that's not collateral. Like they, you know, so that or it, and and then lighter capital came on the scene uh, first, and they they were heavily they raised a ton of money and you know I forget how much sixty million dollars or something, big team, and so to make the the economics work on that, where you're going to pay off your your investors at you know twelve percent or whatever they take. They uh, to, p- to pay for that big team, they needed a pretty big spread on the actual deal, right? So the debt was super expensive. Um, next, then other players started jumping in, and there's also like the there, there's different types of debt players in SaaS, right? There's like the Golubs of the world. That's actually their name. I, it's a huge. I don't know why. <laughs> Golub, Golub. I don't know, but it's that's that's that was their branding. And uh, so they, they come in like later if you're like you know ten million dollars and above, and I, I think I think you have to have institutional investment to, to get their money right. So that, that that's kind of the scene is like if you're an early stage startup, there was just nothing at those times. And when lighter came on, we could like at least we could get expensive debt, which was better than no debt, right? And because uh, it turns out that's one of the major ways companies lever up. And uh, I so I had some. Over like a five-year period, I had different experiences with different SaaS debt providers, all these early players, and uh, and I and I was very I was a very active shopper of debt. You know, I was I would I, w- I would. By, by active, you mean you got a spreadsheet of like, how many people on that spreadsheet? Everyone that could potentially loan a SaaS company money, I I had like talked to and knew about because it turns out I really needed money because it's like way easier to get debt than revenue. But so over time, I kind of gather experiences, gather data about this industry, 
and I forget exactly when this happened, but Nate, Nate was in town in San Francisco where I used to live, and uh, we were shooting the shit about the debt industry, and, and he was really interested in it and poking around at it, and he figured out that I had made basically a hobby of learning about debt for years, so he was trying to pick my brain. And, uh, and I gave him all my stuff, and, and, and he, uh, he, he went after this market, and... Has, has really changed it a lot. I mean, it's uh, What did you say in terms of the product that needed to exist that didn't exist? What didn't exist, well, I mean, it, it, the, the products that existed were more expensive for starters, but they were also, they weren't willing to loan very much, right? So I think Lighter would do like three, and I'll get into this in my slides. I don't want to blow my slides, but <laughs> they're, they're, Lighter would do like three or four X MRR, which is like, you know, I think I was doing like two million a year or something at the time, and I was like, "Really? Like you're gonna give me like 300k? <laughs> like I make a million bucks, a, two million bucks a year. They're gonna gaze on a lot of money, man. Like you know, because real real companies they'll let you lever up, you know, pretty aggressively, right? To to one turn or something at least. But and so that that's I guess that's the real key difference is how much they'll give you at what rate. And a lot of the lenders also had a really short duration, which now I'm really ruining my slides, but that's okay. Oh, right. these are my slides. Yes. Beautiful. Let me, let me, let me, let me create an on-ramp here, right? So you guys already sort of heard about like what, what you're going to learn from the current debt and what to watch out for and then how we use debt to scale to 5 million. Are you comfortable sharing how much equity you've managed to keep today? Yeah. All right. How much do you own? 65. 65%. Well, and, and the other co-founder owns like 20 and, and then a family. third. Yeah. Is there a dad? In there? There's a dad. There's a there's there's a dad that I've dad. I've squeezed money out of him too. Okay, okay. A dad. I didn't know there were multiple. <laughs> yeah, no, well, only so one dad. One dad in as well. But point is, you've kept control. Yeah, I mean, I I think we sold ten percent of the company, and that was like super early on before I even had thought of debt. But yeah. that. And you've already tried to buy them out, I imagine. Um. No, okay, I, they, they, they're they all really smart. They're like private equity guys. Okay. So they're, they're, they're not going to be like, oh, sure, here, take for 2x. So let me let me pass this off to you. Start start here to give everyone context for your revenue growth. And then these are your slides that you sent last night. At Perfect. Steve. That's me. <laughs> Love you to death. Take it away. You know me, man. All right. There's not like a coffee spot up here. So... That was, uh, so that's what we're looking at. Um, this is, uh, this is my little history right here. Very smooth, right? I mean, one little hiccup from COVID there, a few pricing adjustments, but like very smooth, right? Who needs debt with a business this smooth? I mean, why don't I just, you know, spend within my means? <laughs> And the the fact is, in reality, these businesses aren't that smooth for a lot of reasons, right? You've got you've got annual deals, you've got multi-year deals. Um, there, I, I've got a seasonality problem. Problem being that people don't buy software in November or December, and hardly in the first half of January. So, and every year that builds up, right? So you get a lot of that spikiness, and then any big deal that comes in makes it more spiky because the big deals come in in the months that people already wanted to buy software. So anyway, it allows this to be smooth, right? It takes out your seasonality, allows you to, without giving up equity, make payroll in December, which is always a problem. So here's, uh, here's, here's, my com here, here's our website in 2012. It, it's not that different from our website today, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, this design might even be better. 
<laughs> you get a marketing team. I don't know. No, this, there, it's definitely better today. But you know, this isn't bad. This is so. This is what we looked like in 2012, and I, I the um, the first way I funded the company was by. Uh, well, let me let me zoom you back to 2012, right? And 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 maybe some of you are in, in situations similar to this today, where you've got you know four people on the team, and you're and you're making fifty thousand dollars a month or something. And no, I guess I was probably making twenty five thousand dollars a month then. And it turns out the, the the basic needs of a software company, you know, the, the 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 care, the food and water that it needs, you know, engineers and sales guys and product managers. They cost more than you can make at first, so money has to come from somewhere, and so you either have to have money in your pocket already, or, you know, hopefully your mom's rich or something. I mean, but I, 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 I was lucky in that I, I was able to fund the the early parts of the business without equity because I had worked at Google and early enough so I had like a million bucks to to just light on fire basically and, and become broke again, and so that's what I did, but. In the course of that, I managed to build a piece of software. I didn't build it; the engineers built it there. The, but I needed to keep paying them, and so now it's twenty. So I started build, having it built in 2012. Now it's 2014, and I'm just super broke. And uh, the company's probably making like 200 and 280k a yearish. It's like 25 grand a monthish, and uh, and and we had four four mouths to feed. I wasn't feeding myself. I was just living on peanut butter. But, uh, and uh, my co-founder was leaving because he's a really smart guy and was like, he's in private equity. Um, and he, he, he was like, this thing's just not going to go anywhere, man. This thing is just toast. It's just, you know, we're not going to, we should just throw in the towel. I'm going to go, I'm going to go work in private equity again. Turns out it's a much better job. (laughs) I didn't say I recommended starting a software company at all. I never said I recommend. If you can get the million dollar a year job in private equity, go do that. Go do. It's so much easier. It's an easier life. Um, but uh, so he he was out the door, and uh, and I had these you know four employees. One of them I was having spend half his time like do like consulting stuff, and that was me. So we were making ends meet, and then I got this three hundred thousand dollar deal I've been working on for a long time, and. The I guess the question here is how do you get a large company to give you three hundred thousand dollars when you're like four Joker guys and we were working out of the back of a dentist office at the time we didn't tell them that <laughs> we all, but uh, we so the, the the key there um, we we gave up a really interesting term that uh, that they that they took and and what that was was I traded for three year paying three years up front. Uh, it was like three hundred and eight thousand dollars or something. I traded away. Not I promised not to sell the product to their two biggest competitors for that three-year period, which they really liked. They thought that was really cool. They thought this was a competitive advantage, and so they were like, "Yeah, well, these guys." And they understood. They actually they, they knew that we were like four guys. They 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 knew they understood the risks, and they and they were they were okay with it, given that they could keep this away from from their competitors for three years. And and so that's uh, that deal basically floated the first you know three quarters of 2015, and then revenues had caught up to uh, to what we what our costs were, and then you know the next time we made an extra five grand a month, we could hire somebody. So that is our first financing was from customers. So here's our debt history, 
and and I think the uh, if I wanted to zoom out and offer a takeaway, it's that you got to shop this stuff around, right? You got to dive deep and um, and and that. If anything, with debt, I shopped it around a ton and figured out who are the players, what are the, where do they fit. I should have made a slide about this, but with with who all the players are. But um, you know, the lighter scale works and and uh, which now they're called Element uh, Founder Path. And then there's those are kind of the ones that, that I think are the most focused on the SaaS industry right now. So I started out with lighter because they were first. Um, scale works didn't exist. Founder Path didn't exist. Um, and so I borrowed, I borrowed $888,000 over two years and four tranches. They were all about like, you know, 220 here, 250 there. This is an RBF loan. Who knows what an RBF loan is? One person? Revenue-based finance. All right. So what a revenue-based finance loan means, these suck, right? They're, uh, I shouldn't say that. They're okay. But what it basically means is they take a cut of your revenue on a monthly or weekly basis. The reason they kind of suck is because it's very hard to plan around. You don't know exactly. You don't know how much you're losing, how much you're going to give up every month. The good thing about them, there is a good thing about them. If if you if I'd gotten a big revenue-based loan right before COVID, that would have been great because then you know revenue hits the skids. You, pay, you end up paying back less. So you, you are nicely aligned with them, but if you grow quickly, then this, these loans can become really expensive, like on a, on a percent basis, probably like 25%. But if you know, things hit the skids, you could pay 3% interest, right? Like they just, they wanna get their money back someday, right? So they're, they're, the, the, you're, better, you're better aligned, I guess, with your lender, but it is, they're annoying in that they're, they, they tend to work out in their favor and be a little more expensive. I think for me, it worked out to be about 18% because we weren't that good at growing. But if we had been good at growing, it would have been a lot more expensive. So, um, key terms to watch out for, and I'll, and I'll go over this, uh, a slide on this later, but one of the key terms to watch out for, these guys had a term in there that I don't think is too uncommon, but I didn't catch it. I mean, I went over this contract with a fine tooth comb, but didn't catch this. They had a term that if we wanted to exit the loan early, like after two years, it was a four-year loan. If we want to pay it, pay it off after two years and take our money somewhere else, we had to pay them all the interest as if we had been there for four years, which is like, fuck off. <laughs> so, so uh, the uh, the way I got around this was I did another tranche with them. So my last tranche with them, I basically just did because I wanted to renegotiate the terms. And I was like, okay, I'll do another 250K with you, but we're gonna have to re renegotiate the terms. And so I got that term redline. You know, I think they knew it was worth the bullshit. And I don't even know if they put that in today, but that's, that's a key term to, to keep your eyes out for. Unfortunately, these documents are like 40 pages long with, with a lot of these lenders. So, key thing to understand about them, they would loan to about 4X MRR. And these guys, that, that tends to be not super negotiable because um, it's what they've promised to their to their LPs. So the it's the and if obviously if you're loaning 8x MRR compared to 2x MRR, it's way more risk, right? It's way harder for a company to pay back. It's pretty easy to pay back. It's pretty hard to imagine that a company couldn't pay back a a loan of 4x MRR over four years. I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to be shrinking basically, right? So their, their rules were such that they can only go to that level. 
Story short, Scaleworks offered me a better deal. So better deal in terms of more money and also a better deal in terms of cheaper money. And uh, I, I told Lighter, hey, here's these guys are offering me. Can you, can you match it? And they were like, we can't, we can't break the four. So I went to Scaleworks and they went to six, if I recall. Um, I borrowed $1.5 million over three tranches from them. Um, and the more tranches you're getting, the better, right? Because you're matching your spend with, with, uh, with, I guess, uh, well, the, the, the more you can match your spend with the money that you're bringing in, the lower your ultimate cost of capital is going to be because you're holding the money in your bank account for less time. So, you know, in a perfect world, you'd do a little loan every month for, for whatever, whatever you're paying for. And the, what I've always done with this, with these loans, which is not like, you know, the smartest thing to do with loans. Like the smartest thing is like, Oh, I've, I've got this funnel over here, Google ads, and I pour, you know, 20 grand into it a month and 25 grand comes out the bottom. So of course I should do that every month. That's like the perfect thing to do with debt. What I was, what I've always done is I've basically had five extra engineers because I've had this debt and I've had them for since 2015, right? The team's always been five extra engineers bigger because of debt. So, you know, and frankly, you know, early on I would have had, I had seven engineers instead of two. So it was super material. Now it's less of a big deal, but engineers is actually still a big deal. You get a lot more done. So, um, even today, you know, this stuff is super useful. Um, so the terms on the Scaleworks deal was a four-year deal, 17% APR. So a little better, still four-year. We should talk about terms as well. The problem with a shorter term loan is it creates a ton of risk because they don't, and, and, and a lot of the debt providers that make loans to SaaS companies want to do like a year or 18 months. Super risky because, I mean, especially right now, as we're seeing like the, the finance market's not stable, right? Like you can you can very easily run into a circumstance where the interest rates are going up and they don't want to do another deal or think they feel things get risky. If you're, if you're counting on that money because you've made a longer term investment and almost all the investments we're going to make are at least a year and a half, two years payback. Um, and you need, you need a time horizon longer than your actual payback or else you're basically just putting the money back in that you borrowed, right? You're, you're not actually to, you need, you need time. All our costs are, for the most part, monthly costs. And so you need to take the money in, spend the money over a year, year and a half, and then get value out of it, create more revenue, your MRR goes up, and then you're paying back the loan for the next you know, two and a half years with that increased MRR. And if you came out ahead, it was a good idea to take the debt. If you come up behind, it was a bad idea. But if in a fast growing SaaS company, it's always a good idea. Our, 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 our returns way higher. So you, it's, it's always basically even, even fairly expensive debt is always a really good deal because if your, if your return on that capital is 50% or 60% and it costs 16%, you're way, way ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you're using it for product development. Absolutely. Did that bother you at all? Like what was the we, term on the lighter? Well, like I said, it's not, it's not the, the, I mean, the perfect place would be like ads or something that where you get a quick payback. I mean, product development, 
it's even worse than like hiring salespeople because salespeople pay, pay off, in, in my opinion, at a sales or marketing or anything on the revenue side pays off, at a, pays off faster, but at a lower ultimate rate. Um, engineering resources and, and actually making the product better, creating that extra feature that wins you extra deals pays off at the highest rate, but over a, a longer period of time. And that's why it's so important that you don't get sh the short-term loans that, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the, the companies that do, that are really big, like Pipe, and there, there's a bunch of companies. A, a, three quarters of the SaaS lenders are like, they wanna do one-year deals, which you can't invest in, in human capital over one year. It doesn't pay, even a salesperson doesn't pay back fast enough, because it's not just time to break even. It's, they had to, you had to invest the money, and then you start, pulling money out and you need time to pay back from there for it to for it to actually make sense so your question was what was the exact term of the lighter was four years all these are four-year loans so how long did most of your product investments go pre-revenue before you started you know, throwing sales at it and actually seeing that really adds to your time to pay back all of that's lead time yeah the, the this is important, right? Like it's, well, first of all, you can't get this kind of debt unless you already have revenue. This is all, these are all revenue based debts. You know, it's very hard to get loans. You got to get equity capital if you have no revenue. Um, but I think you, a founder needs to start selling before you have the product. So you, the, the, you know, so before you invest in a sales team, before you hire your first salesperson and before the product's even built, some someone on the founding team, like they have to have ownership, they have to have con, like control, they have to have a seat at the table. Needs to be out in front of customers, pushing your message, and and it can be. And I'm, and I'm talking about hundreds of people. Like you have to be, you know who your, your you think your ideal customer profile is. You've got to get out and get in front of those guys and like really, um, you know, hey, I, this is the thing I'm building. I think it's I think I'm building it for you. If that's true. Would you would you buy it for this much money? And that's really important, the buy it for this much money part, because if everyone no one's ever gonna tell you that your that your baby's ugly, right? They're all they're all gonna tell you you have a beautiful baby, but if you ask them, hey, would you actually adopt the baby? They're like, oh no. <laughs> it's a totally different ask. So so I think it's really important to that you you're selling this stuff before the product. When the product comes online, you you should have a whole bunch of people that you've already talked to and are all lined up saying, nodding their they've already nodded their heads and said, yeah, I would pay you and I would pay you that much money for this product if you can build it. You can come back and be like, hey, here it is, all built, and they won't all buy it, but some some healthy percentage should, uh, and and that's so as soon as the thing comes online, you can basically start selling it in its most basic form. All right. So my my current debt situation, I switched to FounderPath about a year and a half ago, a year ago. Yeah. All right. Nate's a dick. <laughs> so so uh, I borrowed two hundred twenty-five million over six tranches. Uh, and, and once again, more tranches is, is better because that, that drives down your cost of capital. It was, I you know, switched here because it's cheaper. So 17% to 16.3% doesn't seem like a big difference, but actually when you're talking about like, you know, two and a half million bucks, it, that adds up. And, uh, and uh, 
let's see, they, he would also loan more money. So Scaleworks is at 4X MRR, he's at 8X MRR. And uh, I, I, they might even go higher than that. They, they haven't told me, he hasn't told me no yet. My, uh, but it, it, it's a very fa fast and painless process with him. I mean, because he can, he's always, he connects into all your data, right? He can see my profit well and my bank account and my Stripe and all these things. Yeah? I had a question. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it really, so you, you, you're going, you're walking us through the structure, but mm -hmm. I was thinking more about the decision making and the strategy, which is um, you know, the folks I've generally been around have all been in the VC uh, raising rounds and sure. all that. The, the time for making this decision of going via debt versus going the VC route mm -hmm. seems to be one that you'd have to make early on. And now mm -hmm. uh, we get to see a lot of convertible notes, so uh, safe notes and all of those. Sure. Again. So so there's there's this spectrum that exists now. Mm -hmm. When do you think this decision of going the equity route needs to be taken? And you were to reflect on your own decision making, would you go this route or would you prefer to go the other route? I think the, that the rule is debt before equity if you can get it. It's cheaper. Equity capital is super expensive. You can't get debt until you already have revenue. Once you can get debt, you should get debt. You stack equity on top of it. But even if you just push your the equity round back six months, you're, you you get a bigger valuation. You you. You know, if you if you can push back the need by using debt, or and and it's not just on the on the A round. You can do the same thing on the C round. If you can, you know, before your if you can push your C round back, you because of debt, you want to do that. So you basically always I'd say if, rule of thumb always debt before equity if you can get it and it's like not thirty percent, right? It's not either or. It's both. Yeah, absolutely. You could do, you could, if you had some, first, in a SaaS business, VCs hate giving you money before you have a million bucks in, in revenue anyway, right? But at 250K in revenue a year, you can get a small loan, right? And so you've probably done a couple tranches before you, before VCs even come in. And then you do your VC round, start spending that money a year after you get that round, because it should take you two years before you raise again. A year after you get that round, you, you, stack on as much debt as you can and then hopefully push back the B round and you can do that every time. And, and as you grow, you can always bring in more money. One last follow-up here. Um, so if, if things go south um, with uh, money, you know, mm -hmm. this is not, there's no, uh, there's, what, are, what do they call it? I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, this is, these aren't, none of these are personal guaranteed loans. So it's not like going to, you know, First Republic and they, or you know, Silicon Valley Bank. They'll 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 make you PG that. So, path dashboard, which I thought was use, would be useful for people to see. So they would give me, um, they would give me two million, almost three million in debt, and I've taken two point two. So I could get that, like I could get that just by going and pressing this button. And what I what I've actually been doing is. Um, emailing them and saying, hey, I want exactly this much because I don't, that I don't want just all of it. I want, you know, I want to tranche it out. That's why I've done six tranches with them last year and a half. Oh, here, there's, if there was a, a slide to take a picture of, it's this one, because you got to checklist this if you ever get debt. 
are their liquidity terms. This means like, hey, I just, I just, uh, I just borrowed a million bucks from you. Hey, one of my terms was you always have to have a half million bucks in the bank. It's like, well, thanks. So you actually loaned me a half million bucks, but I'm paying for a full million. I appreciate that. Um, are there any EBITDA or MRR covenants? Like, meaning, like, did your if you if you slow down in growth or if your profitability drops, you owe all the money. Um, that's that's actually more common than you'd think. Uh, can they demand you pay pay them back faster for any reason? That debt providers love to give you an umbrella when it's not raining and take away the umbrella once it starts raining. <laughs> Perfect. So they, they, when times are bad, they'll often demand you pay back faster and they'll have terms in your contract. Like, oh, on page 64, didn't you see that because, this, because you're growing more slowly now, you have to pay us back faster. You're like, well, that's perfect timing. Um, any, uh, uh, this, this is the one that I got, the early payback penalty. Like, I couldn't leave and I couldn't leave and swap them out without paying them all a, a big penalty. And that's that's a negotiable term because it's total BS. Short-term loan is dangerous. We talked about that. Um, they can control your use of proceeds. One I've seen is you can only use this to spend on marketing. So you can only spend on ad dollars with this money. And it's like, well, I'm already spending money on ad dollars. I don't. That, I need the I, I need the money for it. I need the money for it. I don't. But that that's and they they give you like a card. I forget which one this was. They give you like, they would give you like a card that you can only a credit card that you can only use the number for uh, marketing. Super annoying. Um, terms matter. There's go through all the terms very carefully. Uh, you know, have your lawyer friend look at it because some sometimes terms can be tricky. Prepayment penalties is is one to watch out for. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of like fluffy ways that people are describing loans today. Yeah. Okay, one more minute. Gotcha. There's a lot of fluffy ways people are describing loans today. You can cut through the fluff by converting it all to to, to APRs. Like they'll they, they they talk about loans in a lot of different ways. If you're taking them out of money and paying them back, it's all the same. It's a loan. You can convert it to an APR. And that is all. I guess my only point here was. This is hard. Um, forget about your hobbies. You're not going to be a good friend, son, daughter, mother. <laughs> you got to ruthlessly prioritize. Identify the things that really matter to you and only do those things. It's not a good time to have a work-life balance. Getting these trains out of the station is really hard, but once these trains are in motion, they're super hard to stop. So that, those are my, my bits of wisdom. Time, but what about um, uh, you know profitability, cash in the bank? How much do they look at those things? There's just pretty much receipts, De Depends on the lender. So some some lenders. I mean, ultimately, what you want to do is be making ten million bucks a year and and two two million in profit, and then you can get some real cheap loans. Right. But because a lot of lenders look at EBITDA and and make loans on that, and those are cheaper better. Those are cheaper loans. But I mean, it's hard to make. $2 million a year in profit. And the reason they do that is because it's like, oh, well, if you're you're taking $2 million bucks a year in profit, even if things go kind of sideways, you're still going to pay your loans back. So the, these are all, for earlier stage companies, these are all um, MRR-based loans. Have a favorite lender on that other case? Um, if you're profitable, I haven't gotten there yet, but... <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> awesome, guys. We'll give it up for Steve Benson for that.